All right, guys, welcome to today's show, and on the show with me today, I'm joined by a fairly new friend, Jackson, and Jackson and I met in kind of an unconventional way last year at the end of bow season. We're going to share that story here shortly, but we, we got to sit down and talk about hunting here in Missouri, getting hunting permission, kind of what we're both passionate about as far as hunting goes, and a little bit of turkey prep. So I hope you guys enjoy this show. Before we dive into it, I've got to share kind of an interesting turn of events that happened over the last day. So uh, we live, my wife and I and family live on a property that a friend owns, and he actually has pigs. He raises some to sell and some for um, butchering himself. And so one of my jobs and responsibilities here is to take care of the pigs. And so I go out and feed them, I've helped deliver them, I've helped build things for them, and um, so I just kind of take care of them in a lot of different aspects. Well, he texted me earlier this week, like, hey, Thursday, 5 p.m., we're castrating. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, so I will be there at 5 on Thursday, sounds good. So I get out there yesterday, and these pigs, I mean, normally you castrate them fairly young. It's been so wet here, and what you don't want is them to be going and rolling around in the mud after you castrate them because then there could be infection, all of that. Well, we we got after these pigs, and I mean, they're, I would guess they were all between 60 and 75 pounds, and pigs are strong, like really strong. And so we had to go in there, me and the gentleman we rent from, and his brother uh, is the one that's doing the castrating. And so we would go in one pig at a time. We started with the biggest pig, and we had to hold it by its hind legs, suspended above the ground, while his brother castrated them. And then we just let them go back in the pen. Well, it, it may kind of sound easy, but holding that much weight, that squirming and squealing, was no small task. I mean, my arms were feeling it. It felt like I did the most intense forearm workout of my entire life, or like I just went to a, a rock climbing gym and climbed for six hours straight. It was that bad. And I just wanted to throw up. Like, that's all I could think about. Well, right after we did the castrating of these five pigs, I went to a guy's night that I go to every week, go to a buddy's house, we hang out in the garage, play ping pong, tell stories, that whole deal. And I showed up there and I was like, man, I'm not feeling so well. And everyone's like, are you okay? What, what's going on? And I told them, I'm like, I just feel like I'm going to throw up because I, I had such an intense workout, probably a ton of adrenaline pumping through my body. And what I just regret about the entire thing is that I didn't take a video of it because my good friend Brad just today went in and got a vasectomy. And I wish so badly that I would have taken a video, sent it to him, and been like, hey, good luck tomorrow, bud. Like, we're all rooting for you, or something like that. Anyways, that is totally off topic from hunting and fishing and all of that, but that's just kind of a turn of events that happened uh, last night and then this morning that I thought would be fun to share with you. So before I continue rambling about castrating animals, uh, let's jump on with Jackson. Here we go. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All 
right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got a good friend, Jackson Bagley. And um, Jackson and I met kind of in a an unconventional way. Uh, and <laughs> I'm actually going to let Jackson share the story of how we met and became hunting buddies. So it was uh, it was late in the evening one, one night, and me and a couple buddies were going out. We were trying to coyote hunt, and it was this property that asked the owner about uh, if I could hunt it, and he's like, yeah, no problem, go ahead, go out there, have fun, just pick up after yourself, you know, and we get the rabbit out there, and uh, the call, and out of nowhere, I see uh, a game camera, and I was like, oh crap, is somebody hunting this place too? Well, probably about 15 minutes right after that, I've got uh, Drew, coming up to me, and he goes, hey guys, uh, what are you doing out here? You guys coyote hunting? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, we have permission, you know, just getting the basis out there, and just like, it's okay, we know the, we know the owner of this place, and uh, not realizing at that time, it was the last day for bow season, <laughs> and I, at that moment, I absolutely feel terrible, absolutely feel awful, because I'm like, if that was me in that position, I'd try to kill somebody, honestly. I'd be pissed off. Yeah. Because uh, you put in a hard year just to try to harvest a nice buck. And I've I've been in situations where I don't even get the chance to, and I just ruined a chance for them. And uh, then out of nowhere, Dan from the, the darkness <laughs> comes up behind <laughs> us and scares me. And I'm just like, well, there's two people here. How many more people are out here? And I've got these younger kids with me, and I'm like, they're not going to do anything for me. <laughs> these guys will hightail at home, and I'm going to be the one stuck here. And honestly, felt like I probably just lost permission on this place, because that happens to people all the time. Yeah. And I, I feel like there might have been a little tension there at the time, but I completely understood it, because I was like, yeah, there's probably some tension here, Jackson. And... uh Everything went really nice. I mean, everybody was really nice to me, and it was just poor communication on my part and not knowing who was out there at the time. I knew of people who could hunt out there, but just didn't know who was out there at the time because I parked right beside the pond. I mean, we pulled up, guns a-blazing, loud, joking around, and uh, didn't see any other vehicles, so I thought I was all by myself, and... Yeah, I ruined a deer hunt for you, and I... <laughs> That's all right. I was. I remember sitting up in my stand, and Drew was on the opposite corner of this food plot. And, I mean, the way, the way the property hunts out there, it's a great spot because there's bedding on the north end of the property. Um, but then they leave fairly early in the morning, sometimes before dark, and then when they come back, it's like a destination food plot right before going back to bedding. Well, we can't hunt them in the transition because they come from across the road. Mm -hmm. But they come out in that bean field right at the end of the day. And so, you know, all day it's slow. We got out there a couple hours before sunset. And so we're like, all right, we've got a decent amount of time to hunt. And then right at prime time, I look over. <laughs> and Well, actually, first I got a message on my phone. And I look at my phone and Drew's like, do you see those guys walking by the pond? And I'm like, no, where are they? And he's like, dude, they just pulled up in a truck. They're walking 
They're walking <laughs> on the dam right now, and I look over, and it wasn't that far from me, but it's to my back, where I don't expect a lot of deer to come from. And so I look, and I see three dudes with stuff in their hands, with rifles on their shoulders, walking across the dam, and I'm like, well, there goes our hunt. And Drew is like, yeah, dude, do we get down? And I mean, by this time, we're texting back and forth, and you guys had already gone and set up. And oh, yeah. The, got the call going. We were ready to so go. We knew what was going on. And I was like, hey, listen, turn your headlamp on. You know, nobody needs to get shot if no. you're expecting something to come in hot on this decoy. And they just see, like, movement. I'm, I'm like, I don't know who they are. I don't know how yeah. smart they are about pulling the trigger. And so that's when we came up on you guys. And... I felt like from the get-go, it was like the first 10 seconds were a little bit like, who are you and why are you out here? Oh, yeah. And then you were like, hey, man, we have permission out here. Like, I swear we're able to hunt out here. We don't deer hunt, but we coyote hunt out here and duck oh, yeah. hunt on the pond every now and then. And I was like, no, I get that because a lot of people have permission oh, yeah. to hunt out there. It's crazy how many people get to hunt out there, honestly, oh, yeah. because you never know. And uh, I remember... It was, it was about two months ago we were talking about it because we had some random people out there. And I end up finding out who they are at Ash Grove, where I'm from. And I'm just like, you have permission out there too? And they're like, oh, yeah, we've been hunting there for forever. And I was like, well, here, let me get your phone number, and I'm going to send it to Dan too so we all know who's hunting out oh, there yeah. at the same time. Because youth season was coming around at that time, and they wanted their kids to get a deer and part of me was like, they've got land to hunt. Mm-hmm. But then again, so we, did so yeah. did I. But it was a hot spot for everybody, and it's very pressured there. Very yeah. pressured. It is, and it's unfortunate because it's a really, really good spot with some high caliber deer. I mean, oh yeah. I remember I shot a deer a couple years back with my bow, and it came in with a hundred and eighty inch deer. I mean, wow. It was. It was 350 yards away from my stand, and I saw these two deer pop out of a hay bale area, and I saw the one rack. I mean, I could see it plain as day that far away, and it looked like it was with a small doe. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, man, like, that's a big buck, and he is hot on her tail. Action time. Yeah, so I just hit a real light grunt, and all of a sudden I see this deer... Turn, the front deer turn up the fence line and I was like oh man that doe's coming that buck's gonna follow and they kind of went through a patch of fog in between us because the way the topography is it's a little bit of a rise and then there's a dip yeah so it went through the fog and I get my binos out and I'm looking and I'm like wait a minute that's that's a buck that's actually a pretty decent buck and then I go to look behind it to see where the big buck is and it is just gone completely gone mm. and i'm like you've got to be kidding me like that was a huge deer it had kickers all over the place oh boy and this buck comes in and i was like i mean that other buck looked great this one was puffed up and just ready to fight i mean he, oh, he was pissed off it took him about i'd say 40 seconds to get 350 yards i mean he was trotting Jeez. looking for a fight and stopped at 20 yards, and I was like, all right, I can't pass this shot up. Oh, you can't. So I shot him, and I mean, he was outside the ears, but he was so beaten up and busted. He had four points on his left and just one long fork on his right. Huh. Where, like, the brow tine was busted off, the, G, the G2 the G was busted off, 
and then he would have been a five point, or he would have been a nine point. He he would have had five on his right, but he had three busted off on his right side. So he's been fighting quite oh, a bit. Yeah, he had been, but it was weird to see them in the rut. I mean, it was prime. It was early November, and they were just running together. But the the size difference. I mean, the body size difference between those. I really did think the front deer was a small doe when I saw it with my naked eye. And oh, then it wow. turns out it was a decent, I mean, it was probably a 210, like 210. Holy smokes. And so that back one, the best, my best guess would have been it was a six and a half year old deer. Oh. And then come to find out the guy on the corner apparently has trail camera pictures. Oh, yeah. From that deer. And he said it's a gigantic 12 point. And from everything I could tell, and given it's in the heat of the moment at 350 yards, but it looked like it was about 24 inches wide, and it looked like the G1s, 2s, and 3s were all 12 inches plus. Oh, I mean, smokes. it was a huge deer. Very dominant. The biggest, it, it was by far the biggest deer I've seen in the wild, like while hunting. And, but I've never seen it since. I don't have any pictures of it. It was just in there one day, and if I had been in the other stand where I saw you guys from... <laughs> I would have had a shot at it oh, first man. thing in the morning. And, but it's always a toss-up, you know. Uh, you never know when it's going to happen. When you have that many stands, in, you you got to play the wind, first of all. Oh, of course. And the, the stand I shot that other buck from, I mean, it's perfect because the wind is almost completely in their favor. Mm-hmm. Um, but they approach, at, they cut the corner of this bean field going from cover to cover. And they just give me a perfect shot at about 20 yards every time. So, anyways, that's that's the type of property that we ran into each other on. <laughs> and, but, I mean, I don't often run into hunters that blow my hunt and then we become hunting buddies. I don't find that, I don't find people like that most often either. I mean, usually you're on my hit list at that point. <laughs> and I probably never want to see you again. But after that, it kind of... Sparked off on duck hunts, dove hunts, yep. figuring out ways to hunt this one deer. I mean, I had a deer. I had no idea how to hunt it. Oh, my gosh. That buck. It it haunts me till this day that I missed it. So I didn't, I didn't call and get your permission, but I don't know if you saw that video I posted. I posted a video of just all the best trail camera pictures. Oh, I didn't see that video. I had from this past year. Did you post and, that one? Yeah, I posted two of them. But don't don't worry. I didn't give them the exact coordinates, just the property name. It's, so. it's okay. I mean, gosh, that was that hunt for me. I was actually, it was one of the first three times I've hunted at this one property. It's really close to yours. I mean, it's within, what did you say, four or five miles away from you? Oh, yeah. And it was a great hunt because I had, I had deer everywhere. And... uh we uh, end up having two tens come in, beautiful tens. And I'm like, I'm taking one of these tens. I mean, it was at 20 yards. I've actually got my girlfriend with me at the time. And she just goes, holy crap. And I go, what? What's going on, you know? And she just goes, look at that one. And she's never really experienced a big buck like that. Yeah. I have not either. And I look... I look over around the tree and I'm automatically shaking. Oh yeah. 
I mean, and I and like the thing was, I was at full draw for this ten pointer, not even thinking anything about it. But when this one walked out, I I absolutely was shaking that tree. And she's looking at me, and she's just like, "Is something wrong with the tree? It's moving so bad." I'm like, "Hey, be quiet! I'm shaking so bad. I'm trying to focus here." And she had the rangefinder out, but it was that last fifteen minutes, kind of like how I busted you on. And it was getting to the point where, man, I can't tell with this rangefinder. Maybe I'm picking up a twig in front of me. Shot right under it. Oh, my god! And it was literally the worst feeling in the world. And I remember telling people, telling neighbors about this and uh, also family. I was like, this is the biggest buck I've ever seen around here. Yeah. For me personally. And they're like, oh, yeah, right, yeah, right. I end up getting these trail camera, trail cam pictures of them. And I'm absolutely astonished by the sheer size of his antlers. Well, you sent it to me. I sent it to you automatically. The palmation on that thing makes it look like a caribou. Oh, yeah. It's it's, absolutely nuts. It's a big deer. Oh, yeah. And then didn't you tell me, and I may mess this up a little bit, but didn't you talk to the landowner? Oh, yeah. And he said there's two that are identical to each other. Okay. And there, there is because... We went out the next day because at this time I am in full buck fever because I'm like, I missed him. I might never, ever get a chance again. I'm throwing all plans out of the way. We're going hunting. And the next day, uh, it's like last 30 minutes and, uh, I was doing a couple grunt calls and, uh, had, uh, my rat rattlers out and I was like, man, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm pushing it a little too hard and over the hill. Cause I'm at the bottom of a river at this point. Over the hill, the stature on this buck, I'm like, there he is, babe. He's coming in. And she looks at me and she goes, that's not him. I go, what do you mean that is to him? She goes, no, he didn't, he was not that tall. I was like, what do you mean he's not that tall? She goes, this is a different buck. He got, he got within about 60 yards and I was like, you know what? I'm not taking the shot. I'm shooting behind me on the uh, tree stand. I'm not going to risk it at all. And I'm watching him walk, and I'm like, this is a completely different buck. I mean, he was more typical than that non-typical one I sent you. I mean, but I was just like, this is absolutely nuts. Oh, yeah. And it's so crazy because of... And this is just a permission property. This isn't like you own it. Oh, you no. You just have permission on it. It's, it's just permission from family, you know? And, and, that's, and I got really lucky about that because, honestly... The places uh, that you've hunt that you hunt at where I'm near, I was raised around there my entire life. I knew there was big bucks in there. I mean, two houses down from where I'm hunting at was where uh, one of my family members used to have their house. And on the backside, we always tried to hunt it. And I was like, you'd get these tiny little sapling scrapes. I'm like, honestly, it's not really worth it. Worth it. Let's go to the other farm and go hunt. And I go on the backside of this property that I'm hunting now, and I'm saying rubs and scrapes that are taking out cedar trees, like four, five inches wide. I mean, it's just to about my chest, and I'm like, this is absolutely nuts. So there is a big one in here. That yeah. I mean, and the only reason why I ever thought there was a big one in there, an old man told me there was a big one in there, and he goes, I don't hunt, I can't get around anymore, and. 
I didn't believe it, but when I finally saw this guy, and it's funny, we call him uh, Uncle Richard. And it's really weird. And the only reason why is because at that time when I missed him, there was this little uh, little six-point, dinky six-point, you know. And he was right in front of me. And then there's the tens right to my side. And right when Uncle Richard came out, it was like, oh, shoot, Uncle Richard's here. We got to get out of here, man. Like, everybody left. Every single person left because he was the dominant buck yeah, in there. They all knew. And he let out this big old, just huge deep grunt. I was like, this is the dude. Everybody was gone at that point. I was like, this guy says, get out of my place right now. That sounds like the time to hit a nice soft grunt and get hit. And I did, but he was so headstrong on just annoying everything that was around him. I did soft grunts, I mean, just to try to get him in a little closer, maybe look my way and mosey his way over to me. Nothing. He did not care because he knew he was the hot stuff there. He didn't have Everybody else already knew it. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you have uh, two tens, a six-pointer all around you, and they're like, screw this, we're getting out of here. There's plenty of other places we could be. That's when you know it's a big buck. Oh, yeah. And... I wasn't a believer in it, and now I am. I mean, and I can't tell you how many hours I've spent walking the woods looking for sheds, and I'm the absolute worst shed hunter, I I, I guarantee it. Now, I've been told you'll find more sheds if you have one in your hand. Well, i got to find one first to even try to do that. I mean, I can't find anything. It's absolutely miserable. Yeah, I'm terrible. When I was elk hunting a couple of years ago, and I shared this on the last podcast, but mm-hmm. I spotted a bunch of elk and mule deer sheds, like with my glass when I was looking at these bulls down in this uh, cedar thicket. But as far as whitetail shed hunting goes, uh, I'm terrible. I basically stepped on one out at the property, <laughs> and that was the only whitetail shed I've ever found, was this dinky three-point side. I know exactly what bucket came from. Oh, yeah. And then I was thinking, oh, man, the other one's going to be around here somewhere. And I looked and looked, never found it. It was literally just me stepping over a log, and there it was. And I I lucked into it. But I did find a beat-up mule deer shed one time uh, out in Colorado, and it was so chewed up and tore up. I mean, only one tip of a tine was sticking up. Oh, good grief. Squirrels got to it. Oh, yeah. But... A lot of what we're going to be talking about today is going to be permission stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's like, being around here, there's not a ton of public land. Oh. The, the public land that there is... It's absolutely mayhem. Oh, yeah. It gets so heavily pressured. Oh. And there's typically access points every couple hundred yards down the road. Oh, yeah. And so people are, I mean, parking... I drive out to the property, and I pass a couple big public land areas. Oh, yeah. And every single lot is full of vehicles, and I'm like, man. You got people parking in the ditches just Mm -hmm. to try to get a spot, and you're like, this is absolutely nuts. Yeah, and so what? I guess what's your tactic? I know you've got family, and so a lot of your connections, you know, Mm -hmm. you grew up around there. It's easy to talk to people. You know, a lot of the places that I got permission for was for duck hunting. Because a lot of my family members, we don't have many ponds. I mean, we don't run cattle. We don't we don't do any livestock. But uh, it's really weird because it always seems like I really luck out. Because I do get pretty lucky with getting permission on these places. And one of the things I feel like you really need to do 
when you walk up to a farm because a lot of times I don't shoot for those small little acres. I shoot for a big acre because mm-hmm. maybe they say, oh, there's people hunting over here. You should hunt over in this spot, you know, and first thing I do, I try to make sure I look presentable, honestly. I don't look like I'm a businessman, but I look like I'm a farmer, honestly, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's funny, nine times out of ten, the wife comes to the door and the farmer's not there mm-hmm. and honestly it's it's sometimes hard to communicate due to the fact that they need the confirmation from their husband to see if it's okay and one thing that I've figured out that helps me the most I wouldn't say it's bribery I wouldn't say it's that but I usually bring a box of donuts a box of cookies even if they say no and uh, when I bring that, I'll say, hey, you know, uh, get back with your husband and let me know. But in the meantime, I want you guys to take this. And if there's anything you guys need me to do around here, I'll do it. Yeah. And if that's cutting wood, if that's moving stuff for you guys, I'll do it for you. I don't care. And uh, that's a huge thing you got to do. You got to be very nice. And you can't get discouraged because you're going to fail a lot of times at yeah. trying to get properties because... When it comes to that last two months before season of any season, those farmers are getting pressured by anybody, outsiders, anybody. I mean, it's, I mean, you might be the first person to ask him. You could be the 30th person, honestly. And you got to just keep grinding at it because there was this one property that uh, I got permission on in uh, Everton. Huge pond. Uh, and I absolutely loved it because on the north side it was open pond. On the back side... It was about six acres of just flooded timber. Oh, man. And it's a river running through it. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. He kept saying no. He kept saying no. And every Thursday I would show up and be like, you know, if there's anything you need, though, I'm here for you. I can do anything for you. It's on my way home. And it was the fifth time I went there. And he says, you're pretty persistent, aren't you? And I was like, you know, I absolutely love this. I mean, if I'm not shooting for the moon, I shouldn't even shoot. Mm-hmm. And he just goes, you know what? Walk with me down here. We're going to show you the places that you can hunt. I ended up getting permission on that place. That's awesome. Oh, it was absolutely great because not only the ducks flew in there really well, but just the scenery of the place. I mean, the only thing I couldn't do there was deer hunt. I couldn't do that because the sun did that. I totally get it. I understand it. But hey, I was able to duck hunt and fish there. Um, There's another place in uh, North Willard. And when I say it was probably my number one favorite place to ever hunt, it was even even at my uncle's farm or my family's farms, like I this place triumphed over any other one because... To get into it, it was probably four four hundred yards, and that's really not that bad of walking. Yeah. But when you have saplings every foot, trying to drag in decoys, your bow, anything is absolutely miserable. Yeah. But then we would come up to the the pond, and it was it was absolutely massive. There was sunken logs everywhere. There's trees on one side. I mean, I could play any wind I wanted to. And uh, this past year, and it's really sad because somebody else bought the property. It's really sad because 
they completely bulldozed everything down. Oh, man. They made it completely crops. Took the pond out, took everything out. I mean, it was really sad to see that happen, but it's one of those things I think about when I'm asking for properties to hunt on. Go ahead and do it. What's the worst that can happen? And no. I mean, honestly, that's the worst thing that can happen to you. Because if you get to, you might only get it for a season. And that was the deal. I got it for one season. And it absolutely broke my heart when this one guy, he bulldozed everything. I was even messaging the owner on Facebook, hey, can I get one week of hunting before you bulldoze it? Never messaged me. Never contacted me. Yeah. It absolutely sucked because I was like, you know, that was such a great place. Why did you have to do that? But he owns it. He can do whatever he wants with it. Oh, yeah. When it's not your property, it's like oh. you, gotta, you just got to gotta... go with the will of the landowner. Oh, and... But we got... We got a bunch of permission, actually, this last year. Uh, I took my wife out. Or actually, it would have been two two hunting seasons ago. I took her out the last day of rabbit season. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I had a buddy coming. He has beagles, and we were going to run beagles for rabbits. And I took my wife out there before the hunt was going to start. And I said, hey, I'm just going to go try to get a couple one-day spots. Yeah. And my wife came up with me to the door. And I just said, you know... This is my wife's first time rabbit hunting. I'm just trying to get a couple more spots that we could potentially hunt today. It's the last day of season. You know, we eat the rabbits. And the demeanor of the landowners when I've got my wife, and I mean, oh. she's a, an attractive lady for oh, sure. Yeah. And I would just kind of share that I'm trying to teach her about it. The first guy that we stopped to, again, his wife came out. <clears throat> She invited us in, we went and sat down, they offered us coffee, and the husband came out, and we shared with him kind of what we were doing, and he's like, oh yeah, I mean, there's coyotes out here, and there's <laughs> there's ducks and geese out on the pond, if you ever see geese out on the pond, and you want to go try and jump them, you can get up from this side of the dam and get right up to them, and I mean, he just laid out every permission that I, w- I wasn't even going to ask for. But he just laid it all out there and said, yeah, anytime you guys want to hunt, just come out here and hunt. Oh, that's the and best feeling. We went to the next place, and it was the exact same thing. And I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm like, I need to start a rental service where oh, I just yeah. rent my wife out oh. to hunters, and she can be a permissions wingman. Oh, you know that that was the key to success for you there. Oh, yeah. I mean, because you're not just striking a conversation with the farmer. You're striking a conversation with the wife at that point. Yep. And... I'm glad you said that because I'm probably going to use that tactic now. It works. I'm telling you, we haven't we haven't implemented a lot. We were get, I was going to take her out and and have her help me get permission this year. And COVID hit, and I was just like, you know, there's probably a lot of people that aren't interested in answering the door right now. And so, luckily, we've had enough properties that we could hunt where yeah. we didn't need to get more this year. But um, once all these bans lift and everything, oh yeah, you better believe. Oh, it's... she's gonna be my uh, golden ticket. Oh yeah, but it, it's funny because a lot of people think you know they get into hunting, and you you really have to figure out where you're gonna hunt if you're gonna stick with the sport. Yeah, and a lot of people don't hunt long term. They may go out one or two times, mm-hmm. but then it's the permission side of it that turns them away from it because they're like, I don't feel like I have a place to go and hunt. 
but I tell everybody, once you get one permission somewhere, now you can use that as a tool in talking with other landowners in the same area. Oh, I agree. just say, agree. hey, you know, such and such down the street, like he's letting us hunt on his property, but we don't want to be out at his place every day, and so we're just trying to find different spots that we can go. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know him. He's a great guy. Man, if he lets you hunt. Exactly. You can absolutely come hunt out here. And we share that, you know, we're seasoned hunters, and um, we do... And, and we're ethical, we take care of the animals, we're not going to leave trash, we're going to leave it better than we found it. Yeah. And then, like what you were saying, doing favors, you know, hey, if you ever need your fence repaired, if you, need, oh, yeah. if you need help, like, getting cattle in, if you need this or that, like, feel free to reach out. Because a lot of the people in the area where I hunt, and where you hunt, it's a lot of old timers. Oh, it's... And, you know, I mean, as they get up in age... Those farmers are tough, but they can't do everything on their own. Oh, yeah. So I offer, you know, I'll come split firewood for you. I'll help clear trees. I'll help do oh, whatever yeah. it is you need. And they'll they'll take the risk of, you know what, he might kill a big one, but hey, I got seven hours of work labor oh, yeah. out of this guy. It's just as good as money. Yep. Yeah, we, we definitely use that tool. My dad kind of turned me on to that up in Wisconsin. There was a guy who needed some help with firewood, and my dad offered to exchange uh, mine, his labor, for hunting permission. And he freely gave it. I mean, he was like, absolutely, oh, yeah. you come out. And so we just went out on a Saturday, and he's like, hey, we're square. Like, you guys can hunt here all year. And it, it just awesome. took one day of cutting firewood and helping them stack, and that was it. And it's, in the long run, it's not that much work. It's really not. You just have to have the mindset of, you know, how bad do you want to hunt this place? Honestly. Uh, if you think it's going to be a, a great potential area, honestly, put in all the work you can to yep. help this guy out. And like you're saying, they know other farmers. I mean, they're going to give you permission on those other farms because they're like, if he's an upstanding guy for this this farmer, I should let him hunt too. Maybe yeah. I can get something out. Well, of and they will too. They'll refer. I mean, I always ask that question kind of towards the tail end of the conversation. Hey, do you know anybody else who might be interested and letting us hunt, and they'll always refer two or three people. Oh yeah, you get on to the big pond on the left and <laughs> yeah. hang a right, and then the second house down. Talk to this guy; he's a good buddy of mine. I'm sure he'd let you hunt. Just tell him I sent you, and it works like you wouldn't believe. I oh, mean, you can you can really get a lot of permission in it. More heavily or trophy hunting areas, like if you go out to Iowa, you're not going to have the same successes around no. here. Around here, people are very willing and very open to the idea of hunting if they typically if they own a lot of land yeah and it's just one of those deals for hunters because we we hunt just about everything i mean honestly any season that's open i'm pretty sure we're out in the woods because usually when i call you you're out in the woods too and it's really nice to get away from those public lands because I don't know if you've had experiences, but I was dove hunting at the a place near us. I mean, I was getting peppered every yeah. 20 minutes. I mean, it was absolutely awful. But then I can drive two more minutes, and I can get a limit. Yep. That's right off of it. I mean, it's a safer way, and it's a lot more beneficial to you because you create a bond with the owner, which is going to last a, laf- a lifetime. Because we've had experiences where... We were up north in uh, Harrisonville, and 
my uncle got a connection with uh, this one farmer, and he said, yeah, you can come out and hunt all you want on all my property. And this guy had thousands and thousands of acres. And over the years, he's like, bring your family out. You know what? Why don't you sign this document that says no matter what, whoever's name is it in my family, you can hunt it. I mean, it just started going on and on and on. And it just turned into a, this is a permanent land that you can hunt. That's awesome. Off of just one person putting in time and talking to a farmer. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, it's really hard around here to find places because everybody does try to find the private land. Mm-hmm. It's just being able to communicate with farmers on a, on, on just anything in life. Because like a big thing for me is if they say no or if they're weary about it, I strike communication about something on their land. If they have a hot rod of some kind that they like or a motorcycle, I ask them about it. And you start that conversation. They start liking you a little bit better. They're like, you know what? If he's going to spend enough time with me out here, I should let him hunt out here. And it usually works. I mean, it's just those people that are like, oh, he said no. Let's not try it again. Well, you didn't really try hard enough. Because around here, a lot of people are willing to help you out. And especially like I'm trying to... I want to get meat for my family. And a lot of times that's what it is. If you just throw that out there, they're going to be like, you know what, go ahead. Yeah. Have a good time. Be smart. Be safe. Clean up after yourself. That's all they ask for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had we had some permission out west of town, and it was just for coyote hunting. And there were a couple of cattle farmers that we stopped by, and, you know, they said, be careful of the cattle, but... The whole deal, one of them, they were actually neighbors, and altogether it made about 600 acres. And oh, wow. It was almost all pasture with uh, a small creek bottom and some trees running through it. But driving back and forth from this public spot that we coyote hunted, we would see coyotes out in these fields, and I'm like, man, I've got to stop and talk to these guys. Oh, yeah. And so we did, and the first guy, he was so nice. His name was Howard, and he was like, yeah, anytime you guys want to come out, just open a gate, close the gate. That's all I ask. <laughs> I was like, well, would you like us to let you know when we're coming out? No, 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 that doesn't matter. He's like, you guys just come out and hunt. And I was like, awesome. Well, then we went to his neighbor, told him, you know, hey, we just talked to Howard. And that guy's like, oh, you did? Okay, yeah, I know Howard. He's a good guy. He goes, yeah, you know what? I don't mind. You guys can come out. If you would, just let me know the day before so I, so I can be ready for it. And so I... I talked to that same guy um, a couple weeks later when we went out, talked to him the day before, showed up at his house, knocked on his door, just had a conversation mm-hmm. with him, and that can be super valuable too. I mean, if you're not as much deer hunting because, you know, the odds of them just randomly seeing a buck running through the field is probably pretty slim, but mm-hmm. he was like, I was just out running hay to the cattle, and there was a big old coyote running right through him. I'll tell you right where it is. If you go down the path... Go through the first barbed wire gate. Be careful because there's a live wire on, you know. I mean, oh, yeah. He's just giving us all the information, but he told us right where he just saw a coyote 30 minutes before. So we went out there, and sure enough, we ran across that coyote, and my buddy took a shot at it and missed. And so we had to come back and explain that to him. He was like, well, man, <laughs> I thought you guys would be good shots coming out here. Yeah. I was like, oh, gosh, yeah. But, um, yeah, just super, super down-to-earth people, and they really do value the conversation. Uh, it's not about just, hey, can I hunt? No. Oh, okay, see you later. You All do right. strike up that conversation. Just talk to them. And 
a lot of these guys out in the country, they just don't have a lot of interaction with other people. And so they're busy. I've heard of a lot of stories where guys will go and it's an initial no. And after 15 minutes of talking, they're like, you know what? You seem like a great guy. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll show you this one corner of the property that you're fine hunting. And oh, yeah. so for those of you that are looking for properties, I mean, you're going to get a lot of no's. Oh, of course. Don't be discouraged. Still be friendly. And ask for those other referrals, you know. Okay, mm. I understand I can't hunt here. Is there somewhere else? Or if you start with something small like rabbits or squirrels or uh, coyotes, most people don't care if you come kill coyotes. Everybody um, hates them around here. Yeah, and so it's like that could just be your in, and you do that responsibly for a year or two, and you say, hey, look, I took four coyotes off your property this year. Man, I've noticed the chickens haven't been disappearing like they used to. And then before long, you know, they may just offer another type of hunting. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I like how you said strike that conversation. Because, honestly, you get to where we're, where, where we are hunting, a lot of those farmers don't talk to people, like you mm-hmm. said. And that striking, that conversation, it could literally be about sports. It could literally be about what are you planting this year. They love it. They absolutely love it. And... You've got to show that you love it too. Yeah. You honestly do because a farmer's going to pick you out pretty fast. Oh yeah. And it's just one of those deals. Just be a wholesome individual and spend time with that person because honestly, that means more to them than the labor that you could get for like the labor that they would ask you for. Yeah. Because all they're wanting is that conversation. That oh, somebody wants to talk to me. And that's a huge tool that you can use when it comes to getting permission on lands. And that's like what I was saying. I'd always try to go back and talk to this guy. And it ended up after after a couple times I was able to hunt there. It was just from conversation. Yep. I mean, drinking coffee and eating a donut. I mean, to be... I need to up my donut budget, it sounds like. It helps that my mom owns a bakery. Oh, yeah. So it kind of helps out in a way. But, well, my wife owns a wedding coordinating business, so I don't think I could really leverage that very well. You know, but donuts, that's you never know. You might run across this young farmer at some point. See, if I was the farmer and you showed up with donuts and you said, you know, you can keep these donuts, you know, just enjoy them, I'd be like, well, why don't you come back next week and exactly we'll chat. And then you come back next week, and maybe I'll just keep saying no until I've had enough donuts, and then you'll get a yes. And you know, and that that happens a couple times, but over time you start building that relationship with that person. You know, you know them by name. You you don't even really have to call them. You can just show up, and they're willing to talk to you. And you just help them out with a few things. That bond starts to build, and you know what? This person seems like a good individual. All of a sudden, you're in a tree stand. So, you build those conversations, and it sounds like you build them for a lot of different types of hunting. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I ran into you when you were coyote hunting. Yeah. I was deer hunting. Now we've dove hunted and duck hunted, and I know you're big into whitetail. Very big into it. So, what if you had to, today, shut down all hunting activity except one, what would that be? Oh, man, that yeah. is very hard. That's a tough one, isn't it? The thing is, like, when it comes to, like, turkey hunting, it's pretty fast. It happens within about 45 to an hour. Deer hunting, 
That's a two-day window. There's days, there's been a week where I haven't seen anything. But I honestly think I'd have to go with whitetail. Yeah. I honestly would have to just because when I shoot a turkey, I'm like, oh, man, I shot a great tom. When I shoot a when I shoot a big buck, or if I get to shoot a big buck, I'm absolutely thrilled. Yep. Like, like yeah, I was shaking beforehand. Oh, you bet I am shaking like crazy afterwards. Like n- nobody could get get me off the high I, I am at that point. Yeah. Because turkey hunting, I just throw it on my back and go home real fast, clean it up. Deer yeah, hunting. I, I find I feel the same way. Like. There's some people who are so diehard about turkey hunting. Oh yeah, and I get excited about it in the in the fact that it breaks up the lull of deer season. You oh, know, like when you oh, can't yeah. be out deer hunting, you can at least go out turkey hunting and coyotes the same way. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, with turkey hunting, it's like you shoot it and you're like, sweet. Uh, it's not like you have good a history shot. <laughs> with that specific turkey. Nah. Or, you know, like, I saw that thing when it was a fawn, and then it grew up, and I saw it as a spike or a fork, and oh, yeah. then an eight point. Like, I like the history of it. I like to be able to track it. And I would say for a long time, my number one was duck hunting. Oh, I yeah. absolutely loved duck hunting when I, when I first got introduced to it. And I was like, man, I can sit here and talk. Don't have to worry about smell. Oh, it's awesome. We can awesome. just hang out, and then all of a sudden you just don't move when the birds come in, and then you pull up and shoot, and you go back to talking. Mm-hmm. With deer hunting, it's a totally different feel out there in the woods. You have to listen to every little detail that's going on within the woods. Oh, yeah. It's, you literally, you cannot do anything out of the ordinary. Because, like, when I first got into duck hunting, it was really embarrassing for me because... I went with my two cousins, first ever time. I'm quiet, I don't even move, and my buddies are over there, out in the open practically, drinking coffee, and just laughing about jokes. I'm like, these guys are about to screw over <laughs> this hunt. And I am literally so pissed at them, and they're laughing at me at this point. I'm like, okay, jokers, what are you laughing at? They're like, this is duck hunting you don't have to be quiet. Yeah. And I'm a talkative individual. So I absolutely loved that duck hunting situation oh, yeah. where I can literally do whatever I want and then the 30 seconds of shooting, you go get it. Okay. Back right to it. Where did I where did I finish off on my story? And but deer hunting, no. And like when I take my girlfriend hunting with me, I want to talk. I absolutely can't. And like, she doesn't, she didn't get that at first because I'm usually a talker all the time. And she goes, Hey, what are you, what are you doing? What are we doing after this? I'm like, Hey, you need to, you need to be quiet. Like, we can't talk right now. And she goes, Well, you need to shut your mouth too. Like, you know, and it's just one of those deals. I'm like, Man, this is completely different. Like, and it made me realize because like, you do watch those deer grow up. Because if I was to watch somebody shoot a turkey on the property right beside me, I'm like, oh, nice shot. They just got here. They just got a better spot than me. Yep. Now, if I watch somebody, and let me ask you this. If you saw somebody shoot your big going. buck that you've been watching for years, how are you feeling compared to a turkey? That happened to me, actually. And I don't, it, it wouldn't have been you because this was years ago before we had met. I was 
tracking this deer, and all I had was nighttime pictures of it, but it was pretty consistent through the month of October. Okay. And I thought, this is going to be the buck. I'm going to shoot this monster. And we called him Big Easy. He was a wide eight. He had at least 13 inches of length on his G2s and 3s. And I just remember seeing him show up on camera, and I... I was beside myself to think this is on the property that I have access to. Oh, man. Standing right in front of my trail camera, just, I mean, probably 70 yards down the fence row from oh, my stand. Oh, man. And I never saw him while I was in the stand. And pictures quit showing up. And then I'm like, all right, well, rifle season hasn't happened. He probably just, you know, went back to his little hideaway and is hanging out there. And it wasn't until the following Easter, I remember it was Easter weekend, we took our kids to church, I went out fishing at the pond, and all of a sudden the, this guy and this girl pull up, and they're like, I was like, hey, who are you? Oh, we've got access to fish here, you know, my dad knows the owner. and So I start talking to him, talking about whitetails, and he was like, oh yeah, did you see so-and-so shot this big, big eight point? And I was like... No. Oh no. I'm like, is it this one? I pulled up my trail camera picture. They're like, man, I think that's the one. Oh. He showed me the picture, and I instantly knew that it was Big Easy. And he's like, I was like, when when did that happen? You know, because this was months after I had been hunting. You know, we're well into spring at that point. And he's like, opening day of rifle season. He shot it five miles from here, and that buck had traveled five miles over to this other property. And okay. the guy took him. And that just that just kills you. I mean, your fishing trip was just over, oh, over at that point. I was sick to my stomach. I started calling my buddies like, hey, Big Easy's dead. And they're like, did you find a deadhead? I'm like, no. I just got... Somebody's got it on their wall. I still got the picture on my phone. And I look back at it because it, yeah, it killed me. But like you were saying, if someone shoots a turkey, you're like, hey, great job. If someone shoots a big buck on the neighboring property, you're like, man, that is the one I've been after. I just put in... 78 hours or something like yeah. that and somebody got it on opening day of rifle season yeah and i mean that's the problem like i've i've discovered if you are kind of in a landlocked area where there's not a river or anything mm -hmm. close by you can keep deer in the area oh of better. course yeah even during the rut they'll still travel but those river bottoms are they turn into rut highways oh yeah and those deer will just chase does all the way i mean for miles and miles down these river bottoms and oh, yeah. now you're talking they could pass by 50 different hunting properties and yeah. if they're not bedded down in your area or locked up with a doe in your area you know it's anybody's game it's oh anybody. yeah and i mean this wasn't even i think between the property i hunt and that property there's probably 12 to 15 other properties and I'm guessing at least a half a dozen of those have active hunters on them. And so mm. it just, that opened my eyes to how much these deer travel when the rut hits. Because they say those big bucks, I mean, as they get older, up in age, and more mature, their core area tightens down. But oh, yeah. the rut changes it all. Uh, it's completely crazy because you have no idea. Because I remember hunting on this property where... Uh, uh, out towards Everton and all of a sudden five miles away from where we just had pictures like that week before 
they've got the picture of him too. I'm like, how does that even happen? He's locked up. Yep. And I, I've never, I never saw him again. He's probably somebody has him on his wall. I mean, it's just a part of it. Like, mm. it's good to get closure on a deer that you're pursuing. Yeah, it's good to know, like, hey, he didn't die in a fight somewhere. He didn't get taken out by a coyote or a disease of some sort. Like, there was just a hunter that had an opportunity and he took it. But it's the ones that get away and you don't Mm. ever see them. You don't ever hear about them. Don't ever find their deadhead or sheds in the years to come. No camera pictures. That those are the ones that eat me up. I'm like, if he's still alive, man, he could be a nine year old. Like he could be oh, just yeah. the oldest, gnarliest, meanest buck around. But you just I mean, I, I do appreciate the closure in certain cases. But like talking about uh duck hunting being my number one passion for a while, it wasn't until trail cameras really became affordable. Oh, yeah. least I could afford them. Once that happened and I could start documenting these deer and tracking their movement, that's when it switched for me to where bow hunting was my number one for whitetail. I mean, it was like, it's now there's massive. not even a close second. I enjoy going out west and big game hunting out there, but there is something about that first week of November oh. being out in the woods. And the other thing is I've discovered that with that movement, you could have bucks that you've never seen before that just show up. The biggest buck I've got is on my wall at my house. And I had, I may have one trail camera picture of him. That's but I nuts. can't verify it because where it was coming through, the sun was behind him coming oh. through the trees. And so I had like splotches of shadow and sunlight and so you can't fully make out the rack or the deer oh, man and so i'm like that could be him but i'm not certain because you just couldn't quite make out the antler i mean like some of them you could and he just showed up i mean one day nowhere. during rifle season i hit a couple of grunts and i've shared the story on the podcast but i was standing or i was in a fold-out chair in the middle of a hay field that was only about knee high at the time. And I turned around because I started walking to my buddy and I turned around after doing a couple grunts that morning and this buck was in the field with me uh, inside of 50 yards. I think it was really inside of Holy 40 yards. Smokes. But I had a doe decoy out covered in estrus and he was so puffed up, ears back, just waddling towards her and... I froze. I was like, I don't know what to do. This buck is like right there. Oh yeah. And then I was like, he doesn't even know that I'm here. He doesn't care. And I just pulled up. I mean, in plain sight, nothing obstructing his view whatsoever and shot him. Isn't that crazy when they get locked up on those does, there's almost nothing at all that you can get them away from it. I mean, I've seen 10 points, eight points, and even uh, Uncle Richard, as we call him, once he once he's on a hot doe, he, you better have a game plan ready to go. That hot doe better be on your trail, yep. because at that point you're you're just shooting for the moon at that point. Because you, there's no way you can get them off of there. I mean, you can try those small grunts, which I have tried, but they don't care. They nope. don't care at all. They're like, eh. Whatever. If you come close enough, I'll care. But oh yeah, if they just hear something in the distance, it's like, yeah, no threat to me right now. Nah, I mean it's absolutely crazy because, I mean, 
I love duck hunting, but there's never really that. I mean, you when you have that first cold front come in, you're like, oh, it's it's duck season. Yeah. I mean, but when that rut comes in, it is absolutely nuts. I mean, you you don't know what you're gonna get. No. And the cards are a little bit more in your favor at that point because everything is moving. I mean, I absolutely love it because, yeah, you'll have those nights where, oh, you might see two does, but then you'll have a night where you see 15 deer. Mm -hmm. And you're like, this is the place to be at right now. Hopefully, big boy comes out. And it's just that uncertainty of it that kind of drives us deer hunters to just want more. Because, like, I don't know if anybody shot that guy, that that big buck that I had on camera. I feel like that is one of those deer that if someone did, you'd be hearing about it or reading about it. I, I hope so. I'd like to meet the mount, you know? Oh, man. Because, can, can you imagine putting hands on that thing? I don't know if I could get my hands around it. I mean, Oh, no. I mean, it'd be just palming. It'd like, be... It was... The craziest thing I've ever seen, and that's why I've been shed hunting like crazy, just for confirmation that he made it. Yeah. He made it, but I can't find anything at all, and it's just gut riching that he could have died. How many how many sightings or trail camera pictures did you end up getting? Three trail cam pictures. Well, one sighting, I guess, and then his brother. His brother's just as big. I don't have... So it wasn't one that you've seen a bunch. I mean, you just knew it was in the area for... And it didn't help that I started out on this property late season. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't have that early spring deer camera out where I could see what's going on. I mean, it was just I came in there, put the deer camera out. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think you contacted me that same week, and you're like, hey, I just got permission on this property. I did. And that week, you got pictures of him. Oh, it was it was the craziest thing. And for me, thinking that I'm the only person there and finding out that I have a tree stand on the other side of the property, like right on the other side of the fence, and his tree stand's facing the fence that's 60 yards away from oh, me. Man. And I actually lucked out, and it was crazy because I was in a blind at this time, and we had quite a few does and some uh, a small tin and then an eight-pointer right behind us, and the guy comes walking out, and I was like, who the heck is this guy? And he told me, he's like, there's a big deer in here. I go, really? He goes, oh yeah, there's a monster. And... I knew about this deer at this point. I didn't want to give him any confirmation on photos, nothing. And he goes, I missed him last week. Oh, man. I was like, you missed him? He goes, 40 yards, shot right underneath him. I was like, you're joking. He goes, I can promise you one thing. You will be shaking when you see this deer. And he was not wrong at all. I mean, it was, uh, Man, I'm getting sick of thinking about when I missed. I'm getting I sick bet. right now of thinking about that missing is, them. That's the most gut wrenching feeling, man. What? Let's uh, let's switch gears real quick because we've got turkey season coming up. Oh yeah. And before we actually recorded, you started telling me about this property. Yeah. That now you've got access to. Mm-hmm. And what what are you doing to prepare for turkey season? Do you put cameras out leading up to turkey season? You know, I really don't. Because a lot of times you can see sign on the ground automatically. I mean, it looks like a 
looks like a scrape, but it's, I mean, it's just turkeys just digging up worms. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's this area and I'm seeing 60, 70 holes. I mean, and you got to think it's not 60, 70 turkeys. It's probably 20 turkeys rummaging around through the leaves. And I'm just like, you know, this is a good place. And then I've got my family's place that we're going to try to hunt and, a lot of times you can just see them in the middle of the field crossing from wood, wood line to the other wood line. I mean... So you've got a pretty good idea of where where they are. So you oh, yeah. To, so, like, where, where we ran into each other the first time, I've got cameras up out there because I used to live on the property, so I could, I could tell I knew right where they were. Oh, yeah. But now it's like I'm about 30 minutes from there. Yeah. And... So I, I keep trail cameras out throughout the spring, one, to see when the deer are shedding, mm-hmm. and then also just to figure out what the daily patterns of those turkeys are. And so I think I've got it locked down pretty good at this point where where I can kill one. It's really nice at this one property that that we're going to hunt. Uh, it's actually right off my grandpa, grandparents' house, and you can sit on the back porch and see and hear where they're going up to roost. And you can just be like, on the map, okay, they're right here. We're going to go right down this fence line. And usually within 15 minutes, we're done. Yeah. That's why it's not my favorite. But it's still that adrenaline rush because a lot of times when you, when you uh, whitetail hunt, you don't get the, uh, the sounds that a turkey makes. Yeah. I mean, they communicate with you. They let you know it's about to go down. That's what's adrenaline. That's where the adrenaline comes in for me. But it's here in Missouri, there's tons of turkey. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely nuts. I mean, we've got, like I was telling you, we've got one group that's got 50, got another group that's got 20 of them. And just really, you don't have to play the wind. You just show up in the morning. All right. They flew down, cracked the call a couple times, and. Hopefully they get your atten- they you get their attention and they'll come right in. Oh yeah. I mean, it's fun. I mean, especially when you can get one in about ten yards, he starts to strut a little bit. That's when it's fun. Yeah. But then you're just kind of toying with him at that can point. Can you imagine if bucks communicated like that? Like, oh man. Imagine if you could hear them and know where they are before they came in. I that can tell you. Be, I mean, that's basically elk hunting. Oh, yeah. You know, like, if you're bow hunting for elk, not as much. Like, when I go, it's second rifle season. Yeah. Out in Colorado. And so you'll still hear them bugle, but it's not like the hills are lighting up with bugles. You'll just hear them randomly. Yeah. Um, but, dude, just imagine if whitetails were were that talkative or that loud to where you could hear them from hundreds of yards away and you know they're working their way towards you through the woods. That I- would be... There'd be a lot more wall hangers at that point. It'd be a lot easier. I think there'd be a lot more wall hangers in the beginning, and then all of the big bucks would disappear because oh, yeah. everybody would kill them. Everybody would kill everything. And yeah. then you'd have to go to the, the four points on one side, mm-hmm. the restriction. Yeah, I'm excited. It's gonna be. I think it's going to be a good year. We were talking about just the turkey population around here seems like it exploded this year. Oh, yeah. It, I've seen more already this year. Than I did all last year combined, I think. Oh, I was, it was actually funny. This morning I was heading to practice and I absolutely get terrified because there's a turkey right out on the front porch area. 
not on the front porch, but about 20 yards in front of me, takes off flying. I mean, I just woke up absolutely terrified at this point because when they take off, it's loud. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, it's going to be a good year. That's a sign. It's going to be a good year. They're just telling you they're ready. They're ready. I mean, they're coming to the front porch. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's going to be duck hunting at that point. Dude, our neighbors, so last year, it was so frustrating because every single day, I would come back to my house, I'd make that 30-minute drive home, and I mean, the turkey hunting was killer. I had birds right on the other side of the fence. I mean, from me to you away, literally, I had three toms strutting, they were spitting and drumming, like, I could hear everything, and I had never heard all the different sounds that hens and toms made until I was that close. But they were on the neighbor's property, and I wasn't going to shoot through the fence. Yeah. You know, a lot of people will do it and just grab it and throw it over quick, but that's just not... It's not ethical. That's not what I do. I don't I don't want to have to hide facts from a story, you know, mm. when I'm sharing it down the road. And I, uh, I would be driving home, and every single day, our next-door neighbor has a bird feeder huh. out right off their back porch, and every single day for the entire turkey season... On my way home, there would be a turkey sitting there eating at the bird feeder. Just all the feed that dropped underneath it. And I was like... Doesn't that just you kill you? If that thing was just... I mean, that was just a hen. But there were always toms, oh, always yeah. other hens out in the field walking around. But it was like there was one that just knew, I can go eat here and not <laughs> be bothered. Safe haven. Yeah. Oh, man, that just... That tears me up because there's... I've been on properties where these deer will stay on this side of the fence, on the other side of the fence because nobody hunts it. They know. Yep. And they're not dumb. I mean, if, if you got a big buck that you're trying to hunt, he's smart for a reason. I mean, he's big for a reason. Oh yeah. He's, he's smart. He knows everywhere. And, uh, it just, it kills you because you do whatever you can and, more than likely, he's not going to come over there. He's like, I'm good over here. Yeah. I've got a doe over here. I've got a hen over here. I don't need to go over there at all. No. It's funny, man. I feel like I didn't even need to ask the question about what you're pa- most passionate about because our our conversation always loops back to whitetail. Oh, I know. Because there's nothing like chasing after these whitetail. Oh, no. And, like, people, pe- everybody I've ever talked to seems like, all the big bucks are up north, and I'm going to give you that. There's a lot more big bucks up north. Oh, yeah. But when you get a big buck down here, it is absolutely nuts, and you better keep quiet because you're going to see the people there. Somehow they get permission on properties right beside you, and that's why I only would talk to a few people like you and family members that wouldn't screw me over. Because I've I made a comment one time to a guy saying, Oh man, there's this big buck. Literally, I caught him in the tree stand. He goes, I got permission on this this morning. I was like, Are you kidding me? He goes, Yeah, I didn't think you'd mind me sitting in the tree stand. I was like, I absolutely do mind it. Like, get out of my yeah. tree stand. The So last year, I actually talked to the landowner that you and I share a property. Um, hunting on and he was like hey man you should probably not be posting all these pictures on social media and I was like what do you mean he's like I keep getting calls from people and I'm like how do they know like I don't 
I don't know a lot of people in that area, but Spread. apparently somebody knew, and they started spreading the word that I was seeing these big bucks out there and posting pictures of them, and they figured out where I was hunting, and they started calling and asking for permission. And luckily, I mean, he told me he's going to have anybody call me that wants permission out there. Yeah. And that way they can coordinate. Oh, yeah. Hunt. But I'm like, we've got the woods. I mean, we've got the property pretty covered when it comes to whitetail hunting. Oh, yeah. I've got other people. I mean, he gave me permission to invite or turn away anybody I wanted. And so I've got a group of guys that don't have any other spot that they can hunt. And so I let some other guys come out and hunt with me. But I was like, man, this guy is like 80 probably 86 years old now yeah and somehow like social media came up and he's like hey man i wouldn't be posting all that stuff so i'm gonna be a lot a lot smarter about doing that and hopefully i'll diversify my hunting properties even more throughout the year that's the thing coming from a small area where we're hunting i mean it's a small farm town it is uh News spreads like wildfire. It does. And it's very funny you said that about the social media because the individual I talked to was the one who he said something to the owner. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. I didn't know there was big bucks there. Oh, yeah. I was like, all I do is fish there in Kiowa Hunt because I've got other places I can go. And literally it's five minutes away from you anyways. So whatever I'm going to see, sometimes you're going to see it too. Especially during that rut. And I remember that conversation with him. He goes, yeah, he needs to stop posting those. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't think it's that place. I really don't. He goes, I know it is. I'm like, I don't think it is, man. Just trying to convince him this is not the place. And, no, I remember all that. You just got to tell him, like, I'm a crazy, like, special forces MMA fighter. (laughs) Like, you don't want to mess with this guy. Hey, when I first (laughs) met you... That was the thought that came through my head. I was like, this dude just came out of the dark. He didn't even say nothing. He just came up behind me. I mean, I was I was scared at that moment, too. Maybe you should just pull that tactic a little bit yeah, more, dude. Just, just, hey, this is my property. I'll just wear, like, <laughs> Army Ranger shirts or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I didn't serve, so I don't want anybody to get that impression. But, like, maybe that's a good way to kind of ward people off of my hunting property. Or just go buy a game warden vest or something like that and just... Scare the tar out of somebody. Yeah, I mean, like, I know what you're idea. doing out here. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you'll never see him again. Yeah. Because, honestly, where we hunt at, it's absolutely ridiculous when it comes to the illegal activities, when it comes to hunting. It gets frustrating. Well, that so that guy who told me about Big Easy being shot. Yeah. I I was very confrontational when he rolled up because uh, a couple weeks before that, I went out and I was just walking the property and I, I may have been fishing or something, and I get down there, and there was trash, oh. beer cans, and vodka bottles, mason jars. I mean, you name it for, like, a backwoods or cornfield party, it, it was out there in the field. And I went out there with, it took three full trash cans to fill up. And not I'm not talking, like, just the black ones that you throw a trash bag in. I'm talking about the roadside trash cans that Holy the garbage smokes. truck comes and picks up. And we picked that much stuff up, and I contacted the landowner, and he's like, yeah, there's there's been people trying to party out there, probably high school kids. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it was around spring break time. Oh, and that's so ridiculous. I think they all kind of went out there and threw a party in the middle of the night and left all of their trash there. And so, for a while after that, anybody I ran into out there, I made sure 
that nobody was welcome to be partying out there. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. like, do you know who was out here? And he's like, oh, no, no, I have no idea. And I'm like, all right, well, you tell them I'm not playing games. <laughs> if we catch them out here, there are going to be serious consequences. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about it. I mean, at that point, I lived on the property, and I started going out at night, and I just smell for smoke. Oh, yeah. I'd look out in that area and see if I could see a flame at all. But I had three buddies of mine that all hunt out there, and they were all in on it, as well as the cattle farmer, and he's not a guy to mess with. No, he is not. He uh, he actually, did I tell you he pulled a gun? You were you hinted at that story one time, and then I think uh, I think we thought doves were flying in. Oh, yeah. So we, I, I don't, at this point, I don't know which stories I've told on the podcast or not. So listeners, <laughs> I apologize if you've heard this one, just... Fast forward a couple minutes, but um, me and my brother, my brother was in town from Colorado, and I took him out bow hunting. Mm -hmm. So I set him up in a tree stand, I sat in another one, and I heard some yelling down by the creek bottom, and I was like, well, that's weird. It wasn't like screaming or anything, but it was like somebody yelling, and I was like, I can't make out what they're yelling about, and I text my brother, and we both got down from the stand. And I walked down there, and I didn't see anybody. Well, then I see the cattle farmer driving through one of the pastures, and he whipped around and just parked facing our truck down in the creek bottom. And he comes flying by, He comes flying down, and I see it looked like a forty-four lever action sticking oh out of the window. I mean, it, was, it wasn't pointed at me. It was pointed up. And he pulls up and he goes, and who the hell are you? <laughs> and I took my face mask off and my hat off. And I'm like, hey, I'm Dan Matthews. I used to live right here in the house. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. He's like... Slowly puts the gun back in the truck. Yeah, and he goes, and he, he goes and who's Drew Edwards? <laughs> and I go, that's my buddy. And he goes, well, I came down here and I saw this truck. And there's been partiers out here and there's been poachers out here and I was making sure it wasn't a cattle thief I was about to have my guys bring the tractor over and I was going to push this truck into the creek bottom I and I was it. like nope it's just me I go I'm actually using my buddy's truck because my vehicle's in the shop right now and he's out of town so he said I could use his truck holy and smokes. so then he proceeds to hand me a bunch of mail and information that he had gone through the truck to find out whose vehicle it was oh, so he went through your he truck went through Drew's truck to find oh out whose vehicle it was. God. And he's like, I gotta make a couple calls. I gotta call the law off. They're on their way out here. Oh, and so then man. he called. And then I called and made sure the landowner knew it was me. And I mean, that turned into kind of an ordeal. But I was like, it's a good thing this guy's not. Or, like, it's a good thing I wasn't a poacher. I don't know what that would have turned into. Um, but he was one of the guys that I told about the partiers out there. And he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go out there if you catch them, and we're going to chain all the fen- all the gates shut, and then we're going to call the law, and they're all going to get busted. And I was like, I could see right. that. I could. I, I mean, the, these farmers around here, they don't play. No. They don't mess around because in that area, there's no cell service. Yeah. We found, we found a stolen trailer out there. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me yeah. about that. We found that out there. But I, I told my buddies, I was like, this is what I'd like to do because 
I'm not like, I, I don't just start fights with people, but I really do enjoy fighting. I mean, we used to put on boxing gloves. Oh, yeah. Up, me and my neighbor, we would duct tape folded up t-shirts to our fists, <laughs> and we would just beat the tar out of each other. And then I did a little bit of MMA training, and I was like, maybe what we should do is we'll go down there, and I'll say, listen, pick one of you guys that wants to fight, and me and you will go toe-to-toe. And if you win, you guys can leave free and clear. Nobody else is getting involved. It's fight night. But if you lose, <laughs> the cops are showing up, and this is a fair fight that we both consent to, so there's no charges being pressed. Yeah. But we're going to duke it out, and then you can stay or you can leave, depending on the outcome of the fight. I was like, that, is that hilarious. was my goal. I was like, oh, man, I want it to happen so bad. You'd want, you're like, yeah. You would have a sign out, I bet, saying, free to party, and all of a sudden just take it off when you show up. Just be oh. like, all right, here's the deal. Just, oh, I could see you doing it. That's man, funny, I though. I can't remember if it was like an internet video or if it was in a movie, but I remember seeing this fight scene, and this guy, he's like ready to fight. Yeah. And the one dude goes to the truck and grabs a baseball bat. Oh, and the guy's like, whoa, 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 I thought this was going to be a fair fight. He goes, it is. This isn't for me. This is for you. You're going to need it. <laughs> and the, guy, the guy immediately said, dude, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to fight. And I was like, man, that is, that's a pretty cool tactic. I'm going to have to use that. And then Until they're like, yeah, give me the bat. Yeah, and then I'm going to be like, uh, you called my bluff, man. Party away. But That's I had some one funny other guy, stuff. this was the other, it was the funniest story I've heard about getting out of a fight. He said he was walking downtown Chicago. Yeah. And that's where he lived. And these three guys came up behind him and they were talking crap to him. Yeah. And he's like, they're, they're going to try to fight me. I know it just by the way they were talking. And he said, so what I did is I unzipped my pants, I took my belt off, and I dropped, dropped trowel. To where they could see everything. And I started jumping around like a madman saying, all right, let's fight, let's fight. And he goes, and they all three took off running the other way. And he goes, I'm telling you right now, if you ever want to avoid a fight, <laughs> just take off as many clothes as possible. Because nobody wants to fight a naked guy. Nobody wants to and fight a naked like, I don't think I'll use that strategy, but I'm glad it worked out for you. Because who knows, you might, around there, you might get somebody crazy and be like, oh, this is how it's going down. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's right, do it. They start stripping. They start the stripping. They're like, let's do this. This is how it's supposed to be. I feel like that tactic would be pretty effective. If I was trying to fight somebody and they started taking off clothes, I'd be like, I just lost interest pretty quick. Uh, I'd be like, this dude's on drugs. He's He's absolutely crazy. But he's in between me and my truck, so I might have to try this. Then. No. <laughs> You're looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, this conversation got away from us a little bit, but uh, I appreciate all you guys listening. And Jackson, thanks for being on the show. I know we've talked uh, about doing an episode for a while. I've been excited for it, and I'm excited to hunt more. Yeah. More stories gonna, to come. We're going to have a lot more episodes coming up as turkey season comes through and then... We're going to be hitting coyotes pretty hard. Oh, yeah. I was telling Jackson I pulled cameras, and uh, out of 99 camera pictures, I had 93 pictures of coyotes. And so we got to clean those up, especially leading up to fawning season. Oh, yeah. They've got to go. Got to go. So we'll take some of those out, but I appreciate all you guys listening to us, and uh, stay tuned for more content. Actually, before I let you go, 
Uh, if people want to just see some of the stuff you hunt and fish, what where can they find you on social media? Uh, it's Jackson Bagley, and that's B-A-G-L-E-Y, uh, on Instagram. I mean, I don't post a lot, but I'm starting to now more than ever just because I've got the free time yeah. to fish, hunt, and do whatever. Uh, it's really amazing around here in Missouri. Yeah. You just get about everything. Yep. And uh, for those of you who are going to try to find out my location of hunting, I am ex-Special Forces and uh, UFC fighter, so don't, don't yeah, think about it. Yeah, you'll see me out there naked ready to fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Well, that is going to do it for this episode, and this one was kind of all over the place, but I hope you enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed sitting down talking with Jackson. It seems like every time we get together, we can go on and on and on about hunting stories, about what we're excited about, preparation, the whole lot. And so um, Jackson's somebody that I'm going to be having on the show a lot more often. We're actually talking about going after some striper and walleye. Uh, He's got a spot where he knows that they're running and will be for a little while to come still. So I'm hoping that we can sit down and do another podcast about that. That's something that I haven't done in a long time. I mean, I grew up fishing walleye up in Wisconsin, up in Canada, Minnesota. But ever since I've moved down here, which has been like 14 years, I don't think I've walleye fished a single time. So, uh... I look forward to getting on the line with him some more, and I hope that we can get after Uncle Richard this year. I'm telling you, that buck is a stud. I'm going to post a picture of it on my social media platform so you guys can check it out. I think there's actually a video already up on TikTok. Uh, It's the last two pictures of deer on my best of 2020 trail camera photos. So go check that deer out. It is a a true freak. I mean, I can't imagine seeing it in person, much less getting an opportunity at it and missing. So hopefully he has more luck next year. And before I sign off for tonight, I just want to encourage all of you, if you have not yet done it, go and leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I've actually been at 99 five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts for quite a while now, over a week, I believe. And I'm just trying to break that 100 mark. So if you haven't done so already, it definitely helps me out with the podcast, with getting it out in front of more people. The higher the ratings, the more ratings, the more listens, the more people end up seeing it. So please go check that out. And if you do, leave a a message on one of my social media platforms telling me that you did. Because I will be giving away one of our first ever Nomadic Outdoorsman t-shirts. Yes, I'm going to be making some t-shirts here in the next month. And then one lucky person who leaves a review and rating and lets me know about it will be receiving a free Nomadic Outdoorsman t-shirt. So please keep an eye out for those. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.